You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Howdy, hey everybody, it's Luke Hector on the 2nd of October 2022 and you are listening to The Broken Meeple Show, the podcast uh, spin-off from The Broken Meeple YouTube channel. I think that's about everything, yeah. So yeah, hi everybody, this is not going to be the longest episode in the world for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I need to get some prep done for Essen because I will be heading to that convention literally on Tuesday like six, probably like five o'clock in the morning, I think we're going to have to set off in order to get to the Euro Tunnel and that, because I've got to drive Paul Grogan on as well. But also, because my voice is a little bit, a little bit off today, not too bad, but yesterday I was involved in a very big three and a bit hour live stream with uh, Mike Dennis and uh, Mark Dainty and Paul Grogan. It was a pr- it was basically Paul Grogan's uh, Essen preview, and I urge a lot of people to go watch that. That was great fun. Four of us talking about games that we're looking forward to at Essen. There are plenty of, you know, wits and banter being flung around. Certainly a lot of opinions of, I like the look of this, I think this looks like garbage. So we're we're not holding back if we don't like something. It's a, a full thing here, but I love the thumbnail that's used here. I mean, Paul's kind of, this one looks like it's ancient or something, you know, it looks like quite faded out. There's me from one of my thumbnails sort of going, hmm, with the big, like a a little smirk with the thumbs up, which I think is actually probably one of my better thumbnail pictures. I love Mark's one where he's basically got like the homoculus, like Viking helmet thing on or something. He looks a bit like uh, Father Jack from the Father Ted series. And Mike Dennis there, a little bit faded on the colour, but, uh, you know, looking normal. Probably the most normal out of the four of us, frankly, (laughs) in that lot. But this was great. Three hours, seven minutes. I mean, I know it's long, but if you've got a long journey to Essen, then maybe put it on in the background as a little audio thing. I think that would work quite well, but it was great. We We had a lot of fun. A lot of games talked about. All good. I dare, you know, I would say not only do you need to give Gaming Rules Paul Grogan's channel a, a look, but I would definitely have a look at this particular session. However, talking for three hours obviously does a bit to your throat. And I was contemplating do I need to do any more videos before I go to Essen? And it's just not worth the risk. Uh, if I muck up my voice before Essen, then when I've got to teach games with a mask in a convention center for Saturday and Sunday for Great and Games, I'm not going to be able to manage. I need my voice for that. So I figured it wasn't worth getting more content out before Essen to take that risk. Because the only thing I would put out is the next Top 100 segment, which you'll be pleased to know I've gotten back into the swing of. I put two episodes out this week alone on top of other reviews. So, you know, we're now up to my... I'd say I've got to do my 20 to 11 and then my 10 through 1. So there's only two left and possibly a video for the aftermath or maybe I'll do that in a podcast, I'm not sure. But yeah, there's only two more left. But at best, I'd be able to get the 20 to 11 done before Essen. I would not be able to get both done. And I think it was just better to say, you know what? Let's just wait till they get back from Essen. We'll call it a teaser. I'm sure, you know, you lot are very patient. I'm sure you can wait a week for me to get back and do that because obviously Essen takes priority. And certainly if you haven't checked out my 
content on Essen already, I, I would love you guys to check out last week's podcast show where I talk about my specific Essen Spiel 2022 preview, even though this episode is going to be partially Essen-themed as well. In terms of the channel, I'm very pleased to see like people are you know, giving all the good comments and the thumbs up for the, the top 100 game segments that we've got. Still catering only in the sort of 5k view category, but I guess everybody's waiting for the 10 to 1. But we're doing well on the subs. I mean, we're blitzed past the 18,000 mark now. We're on 18,042 as I do this episode. And, you know, it's not just, oh, we just hit 18. No, we suddenly skyrocketed past it. I guess onwards and upwards to 20,000. I mean, that's going to be one hell of a milestone if I can get that far, but uh, that probably won't be for some considerable time. I mean, that's like nearly nearly 2,000 subs still. You know, I think that's going to take a while to build up without any, you know, help from the outside. But yeah, you will have noticed that during September, I recorded a ton of content, an absolute ton. I overloaded myself with work and I do need to rethink that sort of thing comes September next year. But I had pre-Essen reviews to do. I had Top 100 to go with. I had the podcast still. I had the Kickstarter video as normal. I had previews to do for several projects. One we're going to talk about a bit more later. And it just got a bit overwhelming. And, and the content's out. And I'm glad everybody is, like, being positive about it. You know, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, what have we got here? Talton review, or Talatum review, Twilight Inscription review, both of which have been split into multiplayer and solo, which people have given good feedback on. So I will, I will try to continue that in the future. Uh, Tainted Grail preview, the Kingdom Come Deliverance preview, Empires of the North Beyond the Base game, uh, two or three, four segments of the Top 100 during that month, Basilica review, Terracotta Army review, Soulforge Fusion preview, uh, what else here? God, Beyond the Base game, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, Radlands, Great Plains, <laughs> you Sobek, you name it, I had to do it in September time. It was just a bit much and certainly I'm going to be revisiting my thoughts on a few things like I mean the top 100 could stand to be maybe a bit earlier in the year because if I can get the top 100 done before August slash September then it means that I'm doing it in a quieter period of the year it does mean that there wouldn't be that much of a gap between this year and next year's top 100 but maybe we'll just have to deal with that jar for a bit because the only other alternative is to wait until 2024 before I do the next top 100 and I'm not sure I want to wait that long so be interested to know your thoughts should I just do it a bit earlier next year and you just have a shorter jump or should I you know wait take my time let this one stew for a year and a bit and then take it on in say early 2024 you know like maybe in Q1 yeah, I could do it in February, March time, you know, when, you know, board game releases are dry as a bone. You know, I'm, I might consider that because that's not too much of an elongated wait. But I think trying to do it around August, September time is just too much. It's too much on top of Essen prep. But also previews I need to start thinking about. I mean, I don't get paid for any of my previews. And I've had people talk to me about this. You know, why don't you? It feels like, you know, surely aren't you sort of being used? And well, there is an element of truth to that maybe. But at the end of the day, my whole channel is based upon the premise that I'm not biased. So I'm not you say that you know I'm giving my honest thoughts about everything uh pros and cons no matter who has given me the game publisher designer or what if I don't like a publisher for whatever reason I'll say it. if I don't like a designer for any reason I'll say it. if I don't like a game for any reason I'll say it if I don't you know you've seen me comment on other channels and things like that so that is how my channel is based and as soon as I say that I got paid for a preview that whole message goes out the window because as soon as you're paid for something 
you can no longer give your honest opinion because you got paid. The person who paid you expects you to give a favorable outcome. It's all well and good for, you know, Quackalo, Borginko, Rado, and, you know, a bunch of other people to do hype previews of games on Kickstarter and that, but then they get paid to do this stuff. It's their full-time job, I hope. <laughs> I hope it's their full-time job for all of them if they're getting paid. But, you know, by getting paid, it then diminishes what I'm going to get out of the content because I know that if you've been paid, the opinion's going to be different. But they have a whole marketing strategy based on that kind of thing, whereas I don't. <laughs> I just do this as a hobby. So the idea of getting paid by publishers doesn't quite sit well with me. And as I say, it just means that I, I get to cherry pick my previews for stuff that I've at least got some interest in, but maybe I just need to do a few less previews. Or maybe just stop doing previews. Maybe I should just say, you know what, you know, I do my monthly Kickstarter video and that's not going to change, but maybe previews just need to sort of take a back seat in line of more, you know, reviews because you know, people still like the reviews, even if the views are uh, hit and miss. But I also just want to keep doing more collaborations with other channels. You know, let's do some online live streams, do some top tens. At some point, I would like to get the solo playthroughs thing running. I know I've been saying about that for a while. I've just been so distracted. I've not thought about it more, but I've got the C stand, I've got the webcam, I should be able to try and do that, but maybe, I don't know, perhaps I'll have a chat with Paul on Monday evening when he comes over, perhaps he could give me a hand to see how I could use it. Uh, uh, what else to talk about in my life, really, uh, besides Essen? Um, I had a scare with my passport, <laughs> yes, um, I didn't check my passport like an idiot, because I thought I'd renewed it recently, but it turns out that was my driving license last year. So what happened was I checked my passport last week. I realized it expired in June 2022. Holy crap! <laughs> so I just had a massive like mental breakdown of like, I've just screwed up my S of what am I going to do? By fluke, I was able to get a one-day premium appointment at uh, a passport office to get it done within like a 30-minute time frame. But I had to go all the way to Liverpool to get it done on Friday night. Bear in mind I live in Portsmouth. Liverpool is four and a half hours away on a good day, five hours on a bad day, and on Friday night it was the mother of all storms in England, so that was a bad day. <laughs> so I had to drive up on Friday night after work for five hours, stay overnight in a little hotel in Birkenhead, then in the morning, first thing in the morning, get up, brekkie, scram, through the tunnel, the toll tunnel on the other side of Liverpool and Birkenhead, uh, straight to the passport office, 9 o'clock in the morning. I was meant to be there for 9.30, but I got there earlier because um, a friend of mine, Robert, uh, you know, advised me after having been there recently on that I could get there earlier and gave me some good tips. Thank you, Robert, by the way. That was very useful. And it worked. I got there. A few people were queuing up, but I got in. And I didn't have to wait too long because once we got through the security, I was the only person there who apparently had done things by digital method. So it didn't take long for me to get seen, signed two things, handed in my old passport, and that was it. Nine hours of driving, five and the four and a half back, so nine and a half hours of driving, an overnight stay, all that money cost to sign my name on two slips of paper like five minutes by a checkout stand. Oh, man, it's so not economical in the slightest, but... I've got it. I've got a passport. I filled out my Euro tunnel details to get across the channel. I can get to Europe. I'm going to Essen. That nightmare is over. But suffice to say, I was a little bit stressed last week. Just a tad. At least uh, I was happy as anything on the drive back. I was singing in the car. Because I was in joy for the fact that the nightmare was over. 
and yet we still got to go to Essen. So that was a bit of a scare, but suffice to say, that is now resolved, and I don't have to renew the passport for another 10 years. Hopefully we can avoid this problem for future Essen conventions, or if I ever get lucky, America, but still uncertain how I'm ever going to get to an American convention cost-wise. But uh, let's see, so, and the only other thing is I've updated my table. So I am sitting on my table at the moment, but if I showed a photo here, this is a replacement Gigason table. So I had a, let's see, can I, yeah. This here is the old Gigason table. Red velvet, dark stain, doesn't go with the IKEA shelf at all, but needs must. Nice comfy chairs, and it's pretty big, isn't it, for this room? Bear in mind in Britain, we live in tiny box houses, okay? We don't have giant mansions and huge scaping man caves to uh, to, to live in, you know, unlike most Americans, it seems. You know, American houses are just so huge. I envy you. But we have to do tight spaces. I measured out this room badly, though, because if you see this little bit of the wall here to my right, I thought that the room was fully rectangular with this measurement in, but apparently what I'm standing in right now to take this picture is an alcove where the door is, which meant that I lost a good, you know, 20-something centimetres or whatever off the width of the room. I, I can't remember the measurement, but basically I lost measurement. And so this table ended up being quite tight. It doesn't look tight from this picture, but trust me, I'm six foot and I'm not the fattest person in the world, even though I still think I'm overweight. And even I struggle to get into those spaces now and again once you take the chair out and try and sit down. Anybody bigger than me had a big problem. So it was way too oversized. You can't reach from one side to the other. And I just went, yeah, you know what? I don't tend to have eight people around my place to play games. Maybe this was a mistake. So it's been replaced. Uh, why did it get replaced? Well, a warranty claim. Uh, this table also had a rocking problem. It The legs were quite wonky, uh, They it squeaked a lot, and it basically if you lent on it even a little bit, you could shake it, and it was a problem. Now, I mean, you can shake this one I'm on at the moment, but it doesn't squeak, and it doesn't shake any more than the table would normally shake if you actually shaked it. But this one was just, it was creaking on those legs, and they came over, they couldn't fix it, so they said, all right, we're just going to replace it. This was a year and a half ago. Took a while. Yes, uh, suffice to say the customer service there has been hit and miss in terms of time scales. I think they, you know, they get very busy and then they just can't handle the, the calls. And so it took about a year and a half before this thing actually concluded. And earlier this year in March, April, we were discussing the replacement table. So, yeah, this has been going on a long time. But at least it's done. The saga is over. And I now have this. This is the replacement table, still Gigazen, uh, with a few extra little bells and whistles on it compared to the last Dennis table. You'll notice it's smaller. Um, it's still the same length, I believe. I don't think it's any shorter. I think it's just the position of the table that makes it look longer. So I think it's further back, or maybe it's slightly, long, slightly lower. As I say, it's a smaller table than before, and it's certainly more narrower, but it's still a sizable table. I mean, it's you know about as big as my dining table downstairs, and... This one is just more suited. I mean, I can fit a big game on here, no problem. My friends will be able to sit around it fine. Six chairs might be a bit much for it. So I might have to either... I don't want to dispose of any of these chairs because they are good, but maybe I should put two of the chairs in the corner and just uh, leave them out of the way because I think this table is better with just the four chairs around it. But it's light stained, so it matches the IKEA shelves better. Not pitch perfect, but it's still pretty good. And it's got uh, the custom leave. I thought it was going to have a logo on the overlay. I could have sworn we discussed that, but there wasn't one on there. 
So that's a little bit annoying, but I'm not that fussed, because honestly, I'm just glad to have it. Uh, but what it does have is, you know, some leaf storage underneath the table, which is going to be very handy, because it means I don't have to store it over here by the left of the uh, cupboard where they used to be. It's got a USB charger, which is um, hit and miss. The USB charger is great, but this plug lead you can't separate from the table. So there's permanently this plug that goes into the mains that powers this USB charger, and you can't put it anywhere. There's no storage for it. Kind of a design flaw, I think, with the USB charger, so I would think about that hard before you put one on your order. But I do like the accessories I've got, which are unwrapped at this point on the picture, but I've now put them around the table. So, you know, we've got our usual, uh, let's see, let's take away the solar bed. So I've got these, which are basically the usual uh, bottle holders. So they've got like the metal ring thing in there. You know, I've got, I think I went a bit overboard on them because I think I ordered the, I think they gave, I mean, bear in mind, this is a warranty claim. So it was all for free. It was a free replacement, including delivery. And it was just a case of, all right, well, let's have a few accessories and just bump up the order. So I've got a, where my chamomile tea is being held, I got mug holders. These are very good. So they got like a little groove there for the handle and a divot. And I can put my mug straight in said divot and it holds my coffee and tea. Very handy for someone like me who drinks a lot of it. Speaking of which, chamomile and lemon to help my throat. But then I've also got wine glass holders on the other side. I can't quite reach them. I've got one token tray. So that'll be quite handy for some of the solo games I play. But I've also got this massive thing. I don't even know if I can get it out of the camera. Oh boy. This giant DM desk. So this actually slots into the sidebar. It's got, I could just use it as a table, which could have its uses. But then if I put the thing up, it will lean against the table and it will basically be like a stand and it's got somewhere I can put a book and a place for tokens and sheets and stuff. Now this is normally meant to be used for RPGers, however I can use this for rule books. Rule books take up space on the table and it's annoying when I'm trying to learn games. Now the rule book can go on there in a nice little book open reading thing. I can also put sheets, like if I'm playing Tainted Grail, I could put my character sheets and stuff like that on there, and it's just, oh, it's going to be so useful to have that nearby. But as I say, I splashed out a little bit on those, but well, I say splashed out, it didn't cost me anything, but you know what I mean, I went a bit mad on those. But yeah, so the table's there, it's cool, you know, I mean, apart from that USB charger thing, the, the thing's going to be nice. I just like the fact that it's smaller because I've, I've got so much more space now around me. I can fit the camera equipment in this room a lot easier. And this massive space here on the left between the wall and the TV, sorry, the wall and the table, uh, can probably fit that C stand I was on about. So I'm thinking if the C stand goes there, then the overhead can go over the table, webcam above it and then the laptop can go where these parts are uh, to host stream, um, Streamlabs or StreamYard or whatever software I use to do these solo playthroughs. I have to see what I can do because I don't know which platform would be better. I think it might be Streamlabs, in which case Paul Grogan's going to have to give me some tips on that. But it means that, you know, I should be able to do a little bit more in this room. So that's my thinking of the solo playthrough setup. By all means, if anybody out there is a content creator and does solo playthroughs and has some tips, for that, then I would certainly be interested to know. But yeah, quite a bit going on, it must be said. Wow, we're already up to 1945, and I haven't even got onto what I played yet. All right, so much for the short episode. Well, there's not much to say about what I played, really, because everything I've played is, well, the stuff I've reviewed. <laughs> I've barely had time to play anything else but those. But I will give some first impressions of one game, though, which is Oath Swarm. 
Oathsworn are, you know, understandably waiting for me to get a full review out. So this will happen, uh, but it will have to wait until after I get back from Essen. I'm sorry, uh, Shadowborn Games. Just too much time. And to be honest, you're not reprinting and doing stuff with this until I think like later October and early November anyway. So I feel like I've got time. But I will get you a review very shortly after I get back from Essen because I've done most of my plays. I think I just need to play a couple more missions to see how I get on with it. But Oh Sword, this is getting a lot of buzz into the deep wood. Game by Jamie Jolly from Shadowborn Games. This is effectively a kind of Dark Souls-esque dungeon crawl, but it's done in two two parts. So I mean, it's already got like great artwork and some pretty cool uh, components along with you know storybook binders and things like that. These great character boards and all sorts. I mean, look at that. All those different characters you can play. So much variety. Very cool. Now, what you're doing in this game is effectively a game of two parts. So, first part is a story mode. You, as I say, I don't want to go through too many pictures, actually, in case of spoilers. But, uh, first part is a story mode. So, you play on a map. And don't worry, this is the first map. First map mission. This is not spoiling anything, really. But... I don't even know what half of these deluxe little pieces are. I've, I've got the standee version. They sent me that. I didn't expect them to send me the full deluxe version. But frankly, as good as those miniatures are, I will just say right now, there is something to be said about having artwork on the board. And the standees, yes, don't look as cool as a giant miniature. And they are giant. But I can see around it better. And it's a it's a decent artwork of a giant rat with rats coming off its back. You know, it's not grey. Because I'm not going to paint these things. But I digress. The story mode basically has you go through a short 45-minute kind of excursion where you read passages from a book. It's got an app. Um, I can't remember if they used Forteller or some other means of doing it. Uh, it might just be self-developed. But they basically have an app where they got a guy from Game of Thrones to do the voice acting and does a very good job. And I'll, I'll put full details when I do the review. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. And... You know, the app can take you through the story bits. You pick a location, you go to the location, you resolve a paragraph of story, make skill checks and stuff. And the idea is, is that you're kind of trying to find out what's going on. So you, you don't necessarily know what boss you're coming up to yet. You've gone to this place to find out about said boss and you're then going to eventually fight it. So there's a little bit of a mystery involved, which is quite cool, but it allows you to prep, like, go to apothecaries to buy potions and bits like that in order to say, right, well... You know, what information can we find out about this creature? And if you're lucky, you might be able to find out stuff about the creature ahead of the encounter. So you can go, oh, we know it's going to do that. In that case, we might want to stock up some uh, healing potions, maybe some high defense buffs, you know, that kind of thing. And that's that's a pretty cool concept. Then what happens is you eventually fight the monster in a Dark Souls-esque encounter. So I don't know what's going on with this weird tentacle beastie here, but uh, where's the rat? So... Yeah, it's not a spoiler. You fight, it's on the front cover, for crying out loud. Yes, this is the first thing you fight, the brood mother rat boss. And bear in mind, somebody's done a good job painting this. <laughs> They're normally grey, but it's got rats on the bag. They keep jumping off it and attacking you in little swarms. It's a really cool boss. But what essentially happens is you're, you put your miniature heroes on the board and you play cards in order to do special abilities. You pay Animus, which is kind of like a kind of like a resource you got to micromanage in order to do those cards as well as move across the map and what's cool about this card system is that it's basically what's called battle flow so what happens is when you play a card it has a cooldown number and the cooldown number corresponds to the side of your board and you place the card after you've resolved it in that particular slot 
But then what happens is that when you play another card in that same slot, it then pushes all the cards that were there previously to the next lower numbered slot. So they rotate around your board, and once they get to the zero mark, the next time they'll come up into your hand. So it represents the momentum of battle. It's a really cool idea and a cool system, and it's some it's slightly Euro-y, but it makes sense thematically. You know, you wouldn't be able to do your prize signature move all the time. It costs a lot of animus, and you know, the battle is effectively a 60-second battle being played out in a you know hour and a half, two-hour encounter. So it makes sense that the momentum needs to be kept up. So some characters might be better at doing the battle flow rotation than others, and it's a it's a cool little tactical thing that you might think, well, I didn't desperately want to use this ability, but if I use it, it battle flows those cards to there, which means that the next card I played this round will battle flow them back to my hand next turn. Fantastic, you know, and you can make little decisions like that. That's kind of the gist of the game, and at the moment I have played the first couple of missions, and you know, I'm not going to spoil anything about mission two, but mission one, I, I, I've, well, all missions, I've enjoyed this game so far. It's it's not perfect, but it is very, very good so far. This is my like first impressions. The blemishes I have are more to do with personal circumstances. Like this is a game that's going to be twenty something campaign games, uh, twenty something missions. That's a lot. It's a lot of content in the box. It's great value for money, but that means you have to play it in a full campaign. You need to find the same group. Now, yes, you can swap in and out to Oathsworn characters and have AI, you have like little companion mini versions because you've got to have a group of four and stuff, and players could come and go. But would you really want to just drop in, drop out for a campaign? You'd want to be there from start to finish, and that's a lot of time to spend with the same group. I don't know about you, I don't have the luxury of having the same group of people willing to play a game like this for continuous time. It's just a bit much. And so this is one of those games where I'm pretty much going to just play it solo because I just don't see any way I'll be able to play it multiplayer. Now, piloting it solo is not too difficult. Three companions and one O-Sworn is actually fairly easy to pilot. In fact, I dare say I could possibly even go up to two O-Sworn and two companions in the long run, but we shall see. But the problem is, is that this game has a lot of setup. There's a lot of stuff to put on the table. There's a lot of stuff to sort out. There's cards, there's tokens, there's all bits and bobs. And to do that by yourself is quite a bit of a chore. So this is one of those games that I need to have set up for a long time. Again, I'm going to need to reserve table space for it, which is a pain. So it's... You can't play these scenarios standalone. I mean, you... Well... Technically, you can. You can play something called Instant Action Mode, which effectively allows you to kind of fast-forward the story bit and get straight into the encounter, but then it will refer to bits of plot that you won't know of, and this isn't something that I would sort of go, right, everybody just jump into a scenario, because the other thing is that you need to... Obviously, you can't go in with basic characters to a scenario, so somehow you've got to be able to have your character leveled up to be able to do it. It's just... It doesn't really gel well as a standalone scenario game, and I really think they should have done that. Just put in a few standalone scenarios, that means you don't have to play them as a campaign. Maybe this is something for the future. I mean, if they're going to expand this at all, I would love to see some DLC content, uh, or maybe just a paid expansion where you can buy a scenario book for, DL for individual scenarios of varying difficulties. I would like to see that. I think that would really benefit this game, but as it is right now, it is kind of a niche product. A very enjoyable niche product, but a bit of a niche product. And the only other thing to mention is these cards in the background, these might cards. 
they feel a little bit too gloomhaven-y for me. I don't like this thing of drawing cards from a deck to be your attack rolls and defend rolls and stuff like that. You get people sort of trying to math out the probabilities, like, well, we've seen a bunch of those. I know there's that many in the deck, so the chances of pulling two misses are low. So I'll probably do that. It's like, shut up, just pick up the dice. There's alternate dice that you can use for these, and it says, oh, it could be a little swingy for damage and stuff, and it's like, I do not care. Roll the dice. This is a dungeon call, effectively, for me. I want to roll dice. Yes, it can be swingy, but that's the nature of the beast. I don't want to keep drawing these cards. I want to roll dice. So I just put these cards away and just roll the dice. Thankfully, you can play it either way, whatever you fancy. But all these different characters to try, I mean, I'm going through with four of these characters. I don't know what the other, like, eight are like yet you know i can't exactly swap them in and out i mean i'd have to play the first scenario again with four different characters but frankly i just don't think that's going to happen i mean honestly if i enjoy the game going through several missions with four characters is it really going to suddenly like drop and be horrible if i don't use those four characters no it's just the fact that you have a great variety of characters fantastic you know this is something that's a uh, welcome in games so yeah so far so good on o swarm um i'll do a full review properly uh with Although I'm not going to do a separate solo video for it because, frankly, it kind of gels together. It's just, it's not really a, a dedicated solo mode. It's just I'm playing the game by myself rather than with other people. So it doesn't warrant a separate video for it. And to be honest, this is going to come at it solely from a solo perspective. So that kind of makes it kind of redundant anyway. But, yeah, so far so good on Oswam. Not perfect. I do have issues, and there was a couple I haven't mentioned, but, uh, you know, for the most part, this is pretty positive. So we'll see if uh, my opinion goes up or if it goes down as I play it a bit longer. But suffice to say, good so far. All right. Take a little drink. 29.50. Let's move on to the first of the two discussion topics. Right. A little bit of news, basically. This is effectively the news segment here. Uh, sad to report, uh, I did a preview video for a game called Kingdom Come Deliverance. It was an upcoming game from Boardcubator, and we, you know, I, I did the preview, and I said, this has some potential, you know, there's pros and cons, but all in all, I'm looking forward to seeing how this develops, but it needed to be done in a specific way, and, you know, obviously it was quite a uh, ambitious project. Well, a little bit too ambitious, because... Uh, the campaign sadly shut down the other day, and I got warned of this on email about an hour before they put out this uh, um, this attachment. It was a very nice email, you know, saying, you know, loved working with you. It was great that you said good things about the game. It meant a lot to us and that. And you know, like I say, these people were good. I previewed this game, I think I demoed it last year, Essen, and I did this preview. So, I mean, I've, I've had some contact with them, and they're very nice people, but basically... They've had to pull the campaign down. It's shut down. Nobody's been charged, which is good. <laughs> At least they've stopped that. Uh, but they give their reasons for why they're doing it. And basically, this isn't just shutting down the campaign. This is shutting down Boardcubator as a whole. That's the sad thing here. I mean, if they just had to close the campaign, oh, well, move on, whatever. But the fact that it's closing the publisher down as well is a bit of a sad story, really. But... There are a few things to take from this, from Kickstarter practices, that I do need to kind of uh, mention here. They had a funding goal of around 10,000 backers. Uh, sorry, no, rephrase. Their funding goal was about £100,000 and on the uh, campaign. They made about £300,000 by the time they shut this down. It's not bad. I mean, it's a pretty good number. 
apparently their real goal was 1.5 million and would need about 10,000 backers. Uh, and they say, bluntly speaking, we did not have the confidence to showcase the real goal of 1.5 in a crowdfunding world where funded in XY minutes is a regular highlight. In the overall mix of other unfortunate events, this leads to not only the cancellation of the project, but of us as a whole. This is something I hate in modern game found industry. And I'm getting annoyed that a lot of these prod these creators I mentioned earlier don't mention these kind of things. I mean, the Dice Tower does. And full credit to them, they mention this when they talk about them, but I don't hear this on the uh, the big Quackalobal Rather channels, do I? This whole funded in XY minutes thing is complete garbage. I'm sick and tired of publishers using this as a kind of clickbait tool. Nobody cares if your project funded in X minutes. It means nothing. You'll say, oh, look, our game funded in two minutes and now it's 5,000 million percent funded. Who cares? I don't care. Yeah, and it's misleading as all get out anyway because it's all right saying, look, we funded with a goal of $100 in two seconds. Well, no toffee. Your game costs 150 You couldn't even make the game for $100. And, you know, there are various examples where you think, okay, so this giant game with miniatures and all those cards and apps and scenarios, you thought you were going to make this for $10,000 funding goal? Get real is that you know there are so many examples of this and i'm sick and tired of it if i see any publisher put funded in xy minutes or so much percent funded then you instantly lose a thumb for me in terms of liking it right you lose a point you know and i will call this out if i see this on my monthly kickstarter videos i promise you that this is a practice that needs to stop now because it is stupid but on top of that, though, uh, let's see, the game has proven to be a real step forward, Vo uh, full voiceover narrative, and this is kind of, this is my, there was a couple of reasons I can think of why this project failed. Firstly, it was bad timing that Awakened Realms happened to put Tainted Grail Kings of Ruin out around that time, because uh, that's quite an insane uh, <laughs> competition to go up against, really, Tainted Grail, pretty much doing a similar thing that you are, just with a more magical setting. But I also think the project was quite expensive because I didn't know how much they were going to price it at. But when I saw how much that Kickstarter was going to cost all in, I thought, oh, you are pricing this higher than Tainted Grail and a fair few others. I don't think people in this day and age who are a bit more picky about how expensive their Kickstarters are are going to go for this, especially with the shipping on top. So I thought that was going to hurt it. And I did see a lot of comments about that. So it, it's not just me. But also I think the project was kind of overreaching itself, especially for a very small publisher. Because look at what this thing was going to do. Uh, full voiceover narrative, adaptive sound design, a true RPG living and breathing world with AI-driven NPCs. Uh, it had miniatures for like the various characters. Um, it had the map tiles. It had the campaign story. But bear in mind this was an app. Apps are not the cheapest thing to develop. They're not easy to develop. But they also wanted voice acting in multiple languages with multiple voice actors. Because I remember from the print uh, prototype, it wasn't just one actor doing the voices. It was several. So you're doing like a good God knows how much like minutes worth of dialogue for chapter one. You need to do it five times over in five different languages. And you need to get multiple voice actors to do it. Voice actors are not cheap. 
they are expensive. And so it couldn't have, I mean, 1.5 million euros. Yeah, I bet a lot of that was just paying the voice actors. It was way too much necessary. I mean, it sounded amazing, I'm not going to deny, but maybe that needed to be toned down a little bit. But then you had some of the other marketing stuff that they did, like uh, the actual page had this video on it. Um, let's see, was it? Can can I still view the video? I'm not sure. Well, they, let's say they put out a video showcasing that. I got a very tiny mention in that. Uh, but they've got the details about the tokens, and I mean, look at all this stuff. I mean, you got the tokens, you got all the cards, you got all the dice. Uh, uh, then you got the rule book. You've got the app itself, a storage system, uh, a a different what was it a squire bridge with like stretch goals and and a standalone scenario and it's just like a medieval armory pack expansion it's like maybe you should have set your funding goal a little bit higher in the first place and not worried so much about stretch goals and that but no it doesn't seem like i can see the video that was behind it i mean yeah i gave it a yeah so i did my preview video and I mean what I say, you know, it, suspicion system breathes a new sense of life and realism into its world and NPCs, while giving you a legitimate reason to progress both combatively or dip diplomatically, something many other adventure games fail to do effectively. That was my quote. I gave him that quote and I stand by it because I think it did have a lot of promise. But no, it doesn't seem like that video is there anymore, which is a shame. But that video was pretty expensive. You might be able to view it on YouTube, but uh, it basically had, like, multiple actors, it had, like, people in period costumes, it had, like, violent fights and stuff, and it's just like, seriously, you didn't quite need to go that far with just the intro video. I mean, how much money must that have cost? And I've seen, like, footage of stuff they've done with Project L, where they've got these things called red cameras and stuff like that, and those things cost an absolute fortune. It's, I just think, there was too much capital outlay. I just think they overreached themselves. They tried to aim too high. You, as a very small publisher, you can't set yourself the same benchmark as somebody like Awaken Realms or Cormany or not because they're in a different league. They are able to produce these things en masse at much cheaper prices, even though Cormany or not will gouge you in the shipping. And to be fair, they'll gouge you full stop. But you know, Awaken Realms, they are very reasonably priced for the stuff they offer you in their Kickstarters. It's got to be said, but they are a big publisher. They can do this. A small publisher can't. And I think it just went a little bit too far. I mean, had this succeeded and got to the table and all that, it would have been, a, I think, a fantastic game. But sometimes you need to know when to hold back a little bit and maybe start off a little bit more smaller scale, a smaller campaign, forget about the expansion scenarios and stuff, Get the forget about having multiple voice actors, just get one voice actor and just have them do multiple voices, uh, you know, or maybe just don't bother with voice narration, you know, maybe make that as a an upgrade in the future, you know, but you need to get the game out first and see how well it does financially. Because £300,000 is not a bad sum of lump of cash, but to make a game like this, it clearly wasn't enough. But as much as I say all this, again, this is going back to the fiddly Kickstarter practices. I don't like the funded in XY Minutes thing. It's also a little misleading to be not putting your actual funding goal in the thing. Because they did, uh, I don't know if it says on here what they were aiming for. Well, probably not because it's cancelled, but 100 thousand pounds was the skull but they needed the 1.5 million that's way too low way too low people need to be more realistic with their funding goals on here 
And too many companies use it as a pre-order system, which means they can set really low funding goals because they don't care because people are just pre-ordering the game. So they've already made it. Whereas if you're making it from scratch, you need to be more realistic and set your project funding goals pretty high. Yes, there's a chance it might not fund, but at least it won't cripple the business, you know, when you don't fund. So it it just went a little bit too far. And certainly I think, uh, yeah, I mean, what we, the interesting thing here, I'm noticing here, so Tantrum reviewed it. Okay, they tend to review everything, preview and that. King of Average had a look. Uh, I think he also did a video on this topic as well. Uh, he's done one, he's done one, Mark Street, and they've done one as well. But I don't see Quackalope or... Did any of those do it? Let's have a look. Do, 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 down, 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 down. Let's have a look. So we have got Mark Street. Oh, yeah, Quackalope did do some ink, and so did Rado. One Stop, they do everything. Beastie Geeks, Try Be Solo, Tantrum. Slicker Drips did the playthrough, yes, of course. Nice to see some UK creators on there. Hmm, nothing from Board Game Co. Interesting, but Quackalope did it, which is pretty much the same thing, frankly. But, yeah, so... I'm surprised none of them kind of mentioned those, but yeah, it's a shame. You know, I hope that everybody from Board Creator goes on to better things, gets jobs elsewhere. You know, I hope this doesn't put them in a financial hardship or anything, but, you know, at least this got axed before it became an issue. If this had funded and everyone got charged and then it all went under, that would have been a lot worse. At least this has been nipped in the bud now, so it's a, it's a sob story, but at least it's not a controversy or anything like that. But yeah. Remember, funded in XY minutes is not acceptable. All right, 4132, let's get on to the actual premise. I hope my throat lasts. I'm going to have to try and not talk for the rest of the day. It's difficult when I've got uh, steam playing later on. But okay, let's get on to the main course, which is not really going to require too much in the way of uh, pictures, so that will please all of you in audio land. But yes, I'm going to Essen next week. Yay! I've got my passport. I'm finally able to go to Essen. And I did my preview. I've looked at all the games. I don't need to talk much more about games. But maybe I should just mention a few tips for anybody who is going there. Because I've been pretty much every year for the last six, seven years. I don't think I've missed any trips there to my knowledge. And I've enjoyed it. I love it, but like I say, you need to prepare for it to an extent. It's not for the fate-hearted, shall we say. So, uh, let's see. Little tips that I can think of. Well, first off, I mean, some of these can apply to any convention. It's not just Essen, but I will mention if there is a thing like that. So, firstly, the size of this place is pretty big. <laughs> pretty big, to say the least. And I'm going to use... a. Uh, Tabletop Together as an illustration here to showcase this, mainly as a way of apology, because when I showed this on the last preview, I didn't click on the halls, and I didn't realize that by doing so, it would bring up the exhibitors and the map of the actual hall, so I made a little bit of a whoopsie there. So consider this an apology note, <laughs> where I'll now use it to showcase how this thing works. But yeah, there's a lot of halls. I mean, 7 and 8, I thought, had a use as well. Maybe they don't much this year. I could have sworn 8 did. Maybe it doesn't, but it's mainly those six halls, but the this map doesn't look big. Trust me, this center is pretty large. It takes a long time to walk from this end of Hall 3 to that end of Hall 3, especially when you've got to bear in mind you've got to zigzag around people and stalls. It's not like you can just grow as the crow flies very easily. So it's a bit of a mission to get from A to B around here. 
And so you need comfy walking shoes. You really do need to have good footwear that you are comfortable walking and running in. So going around this area in heels or anything shy of trainers or walking boots is not a good idea. Okay, have some comfy trainers, some comfy flat shoes. Take your walking boots if you must. I mean, anything you are comfortable walking miles in because by the time you spent a whole day at this place, you could have walked quite a considerable amount of distance. You'll certainly get your steps in if you're one of those people with the fitness watches. But, you know, so here, all free alone. And yeah, I maybe should have looked at this in more detail last time. But uh, it's it's got some things color-coded because it's showing games that I've previewed. So I'm going to have to have a little study of this later. But... Yeah, I think you come in from this end over here on the right, and there's the exit, you come in there, and there's a lot of booths that you can see that you've got to pass through before you get to the other end, and that's just Hall 3. Getting from Hall 3 to Hall 2 and Hall 1 involves going through a pretty decent-sized corridor before you get to that hall. These are big halls, it must be said. So be aware you're going to need the footwear to cope. <laughs> you know, anything that's not comfortable on your feet, you're going to feel the blisters later. Uh, other thing is food. Now, there is food around, but it's expensive, as it would be at a convention. It's also not particularly healthy. Yes, people will say, oh, you can get a curry verst. I can get those uh, twirly potato sausage things or whatever they are, and uh, I can get ice cream and various other things. Yeah, A, it costs a bomb, and B, it ain't healthy. The healthiest street food that they've got is in the Galleria, which is essentially this uh, long stretch here where all the food is. Now, it's a little bit more exposed, so it's a bit nicer to sort of stand there. But in the Galleria, places get queues very often. So the most popular stuff will have long queues. You could be there for a long time to get food. And that's for semi-healthy stuff. And I mean semi-healthy in the sense that it might be like Japanese noodles or something like that, which is still going to be pretty calorific, but it's still better than eating chocolate and crisps and all that stuff. And probably a lot more healthier than the curry first. But I would suggest maybe not worrying about lunch while you're at this convention. It goes on from 10 till 7. That's quite a lot of hours to go without food. So what you're probably going to want to do is, A, you're going to need a big breakfast. Big, big, big breakfast. I want you to, whatever hotel you're in, you need to stuff yourself silly with food for breakfast so that you've got enough energy in your stomach, chugging away, burning away, releasing that lovely energy into your system to get you through at least like the first half of the convention. I would then, sorry, <coughs> got to clear my nose there for a bit. Um, I would then also get snacks. Bring snacks with you. You're allowed to bring snacks into the hall. It's not a big deal. Don't go mad. But I suggest, because I want to be semi-healthy when I go to these things, at least until the evening time, I bring fruit and nuts and sometimes a protein bar. If I've got protein bars, they're good, providing they're low-sugar ones. But fruit and nuts and water, they are your three key things of food you should bring with you. Fruit, like apples, is perfect. Hard fruit. I always bring apples. They're great because they're filling, they're healthy, it's fruit, and it is easy for me to just hold in my hand and sort of chomp on while I'm browsing stools. It's not messy. And then you just put the core in a bin. But nuts are also very good. They're high in calories, but they're filling. You grab a big handful of them, you chew on some nuts, whatever you fancy, mixed nuts, almonds, whatever, and you get a protein boost from it, which burns slower than normal other nutrients, so you'll get energy released at a slower rate. But 
you know, they're good for you as well, but they're filling. You tend to eat a big handful of nuts and you don't feel like eating too much after for a little while. And you're going to need water. A lot. You need a bottle of, sizable bottle of water, take it in there with you and, you know, uh, and keep it refilled. Take it to the, the bathrooms when you go there, to the loo and that, and fill it up at the tap. Tap water, you're allowed to do that. Make certain, um, I don't think you can get a big bottle underneath the tap very easily, so make sure it's quite smallish, travel-sized. But fill up the bottle and take that with you and drink water. You're going to burn a lot of water. You're going to need it. You're going to get dehydrated otherwise. You're going to need it. So I can't stress enough that you need it. So water, fruit, and nuts, I think, is the perfect combination. And if you can cram a few... Say, I mean, if you want to go semi-non-healthy, then you could grab some of those, uh, um, you could have like naked bars, you could have the uh, fruit bars, whatever they're called, the the ones that are kind of like breakfast bars, you could grab those. They're not particularly healthy, but they're easy, they're snackable, and you can just chew on that while you're doing stuff. What you don't really want to do is sit down at this convention and eat a main meal, because it's sucking up time from the convention. You could be queuing for ages to get it. It will still cost you a fortune, and it's not going to be healthy anyway. So I don't buy the street food there if I can help it. I think I bought an ice cream last year, and that was about it. But yeah, I bring my own food. And then by the time you're done with the convention, you'll be like... I'm feeling pretty hungry now. I've just snacked all day. Well, there's the time you go get dinner. So big dinner, big breakfast, snack throughout the day. It works a lot better. If you want to take a thermos in, that might not be a bad idea as well, actually. I'm tempted to take my thermos in because then I could put, um, I could fill it up with tea or cough, well, probably tea, and in advance and take that in so that I've got hot drinks to have while I'm in there. That would be pretty good because tea and coffee is not cheap there either. So, yeah. That's something I might do, but of course you need space in your bag to carry it. Okay, so uh, another tip for SERM. Get there early because you're going to be queuing. If you don't have an exhibitor pass or a press pass, and even then with a press pass it's hard uh, touch and go, you're going to be queuing, waiting for the opening time. And the opening time uh, be, you know, is basically an army of people particularly on the Friday and Saturday. Uh, those two days, Saturday especially, you are going to have an army of people just going right through the doors. It's not quite as feral as something like Black Friday in America, but it's still quite an army of people. And they're going to be rushing to get to their demos first. You're going to be trying to go, where do I go, where do I go, get to that demo, ah! And it's not good, especially if you get there late and you're at the back of this army. So you could have waited there, got there for opening time and still not got to the demo you wanted to do. I suggest get there early, bring some apps on your phone if need be. You know, you, you'll be sitting down, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but, you know, sit there and just chat with your friends or think about what you're going to do or just take some board game apps on your phone and play them for a bit. You know, they will entertain you, but... You don't really want to turn up too late, unless you don't really care about getting to something urgently. In which case, turn up at quarter past nine. Wait for that army. Give that army 10, 15 minutes to get into the halls and then go and waltz in if you're not fussed. But yeah, that might be easier. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, most people will be doing public transport. So there are trains, metro trains that go straight to the center itself. Uh, when they get to the center of Essen, I forget what the stop is, Essen Hop Bahnhof or whatever, I don't know. But um, when you get to HBF Essen, it's pretty packed. 
Those trains are like sardine tins. Previous to that, they're all right, but that's where the majority of people get on and it's packed. You're going to be, you need to be careful about carrying any big luggage with you on those trains because you're going to be crammed in. You're probably going to want to get on the train early, earlier than the, the central essence stop. And if you can't, then you might want to consider alternative transport to the center, be it taxi or just walk. I mean, most places that you'll stay in are pretty good distance from the center. And if they're not, chances are there's a metro that won't be as packed. So I say rely on the transport if you can. I'm driving up, so I've got the advantage that I can just park at the center, leave my car there, and I'm good. But that's me driving. Not everybody's got that, and not everybody has driven. So you won't necessarily have that uh you know, leeway. But a lot of places will be within walking distance. You might want to consider walking. Right. Uh, what else can I think of? Uh, plan your route. As I said, these halls are pretty big, <laughs> as you can see. Now, you're going to need to have a look at all these things. You're going to need to know who the exhibitors are. Uh, the checklist. I don't know if Tabletop's got a list of exhibitors i think they might do let's see oh for the printable list here you go sorted by hall and booth uh so yeah so you can print lists you can get ideas of where people are but you know you need to know where you're going which days are you going to which halls which uh which hall are you going to first you're going to start off in three and then go to one then go to two and then work your way to four and five or are you going to go all the way to the back at hall four and five and work your way in the opposite direction entirely up to you but you need maps you need maps in advance, you need to know what games you're after, you need to know where those publishers are, where they are in which halls, where they are in relative to where you're going to enter the halls and where you're going to be, and plan your route accordingly. If you try and do it too haphazard on the day, you could find yourself a bit like the John Travolta meme, sort of just like, you know, I don't know where I'm going, and that's not a situation you want to be in. Ah, sorry, right. What else have we got? Uh, days. Right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thursday and Sunday are your best days to go. Because Thursday is relatively quiet. It's the middle of the week. So is Sunday. Because it's Sunday, people have kind of already done the convention. And Sunday is like the day when it's kind of wrapping up. But it's, you know, you also can get some last minute deals on that day, which can be quite cool. Friday gets pretty busy. Saturday gets rammed. If you are thinking of going to this convention and you're not going to go for every single day and you're thinking, well, which day do I skip? Skip Saturday. Saturday is packed. There's a reason I'm choosing to demo games on the Saturday and the first half of Sunday. Now, granted, in hindsight, I wish I wasn't doing the first half of Sunday, but I digress. I mean, it helps pay for the accommodation. What the hell? But there's a reason I'm demoing games on the Saturday because getting into demos on a Saturday is a nightmare. The place is rammed, moving around is a chore, it's just not as fun. So I might as well just teach people games, and at least I'll have no shortage of people to teach on a Saturday. So yeah, it's harder work, but all publishers who want volunteers need you on a Saturday, and it just means that I don't have to put up with the chaos of the convention on a Saturday. So that's the way I'm seeing it. But Thursday and Sunday are definitely two days to be there. Friday is fine if that's going to be your third day, but bear in mind that it's going to be a bit busier. But Saturday... If you have a chance to skip any day, like you're not fussed about doing four days there, you just want to do three, Saturday is the one I advise you skip. Go somewhere else. Go walk around the Essen Gardens. Go visit 
get on the train and go to Hamburg or something, you know, or Berlin, go visit some other place in Germany, do a bit of sightseeing, go with your spouse somewhere. I haven't got that luxury myself, but uh, if some of you have traveled as a holiday as well as Essen, maybe you Saturday is to have some time to yourself rather than deal with the chaos. It's just not that worth it. Uh, what else? So I've mentioned food, I've mentioned uh, footwear, I've mentioned water, I've mentioned the transport. Um, dinners, I mean, you can go pretty much anywhere nearby and get dinner pretty easily in Essen. You can get German beers anywhere. So there's plenty of places. I mean, Fitzpatrick is definitely one I recommend. Uh, it's got a lot of, it's got nice food there. It's got some good beers and stuff. It's kind of like an Irish-style pub. So it's it's pretty nice one there. Uh, covid Right, remember, the masks are mandatory in the centre. Now, I don't know fully about the rest of Germany, but last year COVID was still a big thing. So we needed EU COVID passes, we needed to have proof of vaccinations and everything. And that was fine, but it was a bit of a hassle. Now, it seems that the laws have relaxed this year. So I've looked on the government website and apparently I need no other EU proof or, sorry, any COVID proof whatsoever going in and out of Europe, which is good. That's a load off my mind. But, Essen Spiel, the organisers have stated masks are still mandatory in the centre. Fair enough, it's a big centre. But I didn't catch COVID last year. But the... The problem with that is that I've got to teach games for a day and a half through a mask to people where English is not necessarily their first language. Oh, that's going to get painful. But, you know, needs must. It's just the way they've done it. They need proper, <clears throat> like, medical masks. So the the three-layer ones, not like little tiny cloth rubbish. They've got to be decent masks. I've got a bunch spare. I'm just going to take them. But, yep, you are going to be walking around a convention. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. But, yeah. Bear that in mind, masks needed in the centre. I don't think they're as needed in other establishments around Germany, but I can't speak for the country, so I would just have a couple of masks, disposable ones or your preferred one, in your pocket just as a safety precaution. Because last year I had to wear one when I went into any establishment. So whether that's more relaxed now, I don't know, but I wouldn't want to assume so just have a couple on standby and be certain, as well as safe. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, bags. People do kind of look at you a little bit badly if you uh, are carrying strollers or trolleys around that centre. I don't advise it because, yeah, you might be able to carry a bunch of stuff there. But people will give you glances. People will look a little bit and judge you for taking up all the space with trolleys now especially if you're running around with a stroller that's full of games and the kids being carried elsewhere it's like no if you've got the stroller you put the kid in there you don't put the games in there so that's a little bit of a pain but also be wary if you're wearing backpacks or big bags i've got a shoulder bag i'm going to be carrying so you know i've got to be wary of that but then i've got the advantage that once that bag is filled up i can then dump it in the car and i don't have to carry it around with me all the time so you know, it's a plus and minus, but that's why I need to be careful about where I'm moving to at any time, because it could be problematic. And uh, let's see, anyone else? No, I think that's the main tips I can think of. I mean, I say, make sure you've got your tickets, preferably on your phone as well, but I would recommend having some paper copies just to be on the safe side in case your phone signal goes out or you lose your phone. Um, uh, let's see, obviously you have a passport to get in the country. <laughs> I had to reveal that myself. Uh, what else? 
Uh, no, I can't think of anything else. I think if you follow those tips, you should do just fine. It gets quite warm in those halls, so I wouldn't worry too much about dressing up hot. Um, I think you could wear loose clothing, short sleeve and stuff, and still be pretty fine. I mean, it's going to be, what, 18 plus degrees in the country for most of the week? So it's not exactly cold. So I think you'll be just fine. But yeah, I think that's about it. So as I said, I'll be there the whole duration from Tuesday evening all the way to Sunday afternoon, at which point Paul and I have to head back on a long journey. So we will not be there for the second half of Sunday. We'll be gone by three o'clock at the very latest. Uh, but Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to be helping at Greater Than Games booth, which I believe if I use a tabletop together as tool just to showcase this, where is it? Hall one. I think we are, here we go, yeah, Greatening Games uh, 1D147, that's where I'll be on Saturday and Sunday, so I'll be teaching games, <clears throat> so be wary of that, but if I'm not doing much, then by all means come and say hi, but I'm going to be wandering around, I'm going to be in demos, you'll spot me, I'll, as much as they're not the uh, loose-fitting clothing I would like them to be, I will hopefully be wearing my Broken Meeple polo shirt, so you should be able to at least spot the logo if you don't recognise my face, but by means, uh, there may be a chance that I'm going to a demo or I'm going to a meeting. Because I do have meetings scheduled for out Thursday and Friday. But if I'm in a hurry, I'll tell you straight up I'm in a hurry and apologize for it. But don't be afraid to come up and say hi or, you know, give a hug or say, you know, thanks for what you do. Love the channel and stuff. Because it makes my day to see people actually do watch this show and it's not just being aired out to nothing. So it's it means the world to me and I will not like backlash at you or anything like that you don't have to be afraid to approach me I'm not like a celebrity or anything it's just a case that if I am in a rush like I've got to get to a meeting pretty quick I will let you know but I would acknowledge you and be glad you turned up so it's it's not something to be afraid of but other than that yeah uh, there's apparently some meet and play event on the Saturday I won't be there because a I didn't hear about it until the last minute and by that point I'd already booked to work with Great and Games and yeah that's pretty much the deal I can't backtrack it because it goes through part of Saturday. And if I wasn't helping Grayton and Games, I would have actually gone to that meet and play event. But I found out about it too late. Couldn't reschedule. We'll talk it up to next year. Next year, I'll have a look at the meet and play event. But uh, Paul Grogan will be there. So uh, go and give him a handshake in that. And, you know, you know, because it's working with Paul is great. I say, I'm driving him up. We were sharing a room, but uh, he's now in the same hotel, but in a different room now because of uh, um, Cephalair Games have you know, got him as a volunteer for stuff and they've given him another room. But, you know, Paul and I do stuff together and we get on well and we talk about this stuff. So, you know, if you're supporting Paul, I hope you can support me as well. But then if you're supporting me, I hope you can go support Paul as well. So, uh, you know, we're kind of a cool team. It's just a shame we don't live closer together because I couldn't imagine what would happen on that sense. So yeah, oh, it's getting dark in this bit of the room. I feel like I'm in uh, partial light and partial shadow here, but uh, maybe that's the yin-yang nature of my personality. <laughs> uh, I'm rambling and my throat's starting to hurt. So uh, I'm going to rest it up for the rest of the day and Monday and just prep it for the Essen week. So yeah, uh, no more content on the show while I'm at Essen, except maybe vlogs. And if I do, I'm just going to put them up short notice. They'll be live. 
I'll do it to StreamYard. They won't have fancy effects. It'll just be me doing a vlog and I'll talk about how things are going to Essen. The problem is because I don't know what I'm going to do for a lot of the evenings. I mean, I do have some arrangements made, but if somebody after I finished at a particular event says, hey, you want to go out for another drink? I'm not going to turn around and say, sorry, I got to go do a vlog. I'm going to go out for a drink and socialize. So hopefully I'll do at least one vlog at least during the week. If I can do a couple, fantastic. I think the likelihood of doing one every day is kind of uh, unlikely, but I'll try and do as many as I can whenever I can, you know, and they're only going to be short, they're not going to be huge vlogs, you know, I mean, maybe an hour tops for each, you know, 30 minutes, maybe, we'll just see, but I'm going to play it by ear, I'm going to take my laptop along, I'll have, uh, the, although what microphone I'm going to use, actually, uh, I guess it will just have to be the microphone, um, I mean, I can take the camera, but I can't take this huge thing with me. I guess I'll just have to rely on the laptop and we'll see. Perhaps I should do a test run today and see how that sounds, but I don't know. We'll cross that bridge later. If I can't do any, I can't do any and you'll just see me when I get back. It's not like you haven't got enough content through September to churn through. So that's it for me. I'll see you on the Broken Meeple at some point soon. Uh, but if you're going to Essen, I hope you have fun. I hope to see you there. If not, then I hope you enjoy doing whatever it is you're going to do during this week. So take care and remember as always, it's only a game. Bye for now. See you soon.